0: I'm still trying to figure out what happened on that inside the park home run last night for Virginia. Not the fact that they hit it, but the outfielder that was just sitting there after it went off the wall. I get it. You may be emotionally devastated knowing that game just got blown open uh, with the inside the park three run homer last night. But alas, I wasn't there. Somebody that obviously has followed Virginia baseball more because he's followed Virginia sports for decades, basically since birth, because he's still a spry young individual. That's who kicks things off right now in covering the Commonwealth.
1: Yep, we're copying this idea. Covering the Commonwealth, a look at the locally interesting teams and stories from the experts who cover them. Let's start with the Virginia Cavaliers.
0: So I know you're not likely to get real criticism for somebody's effort, especially when you don't know what may or may not be going on, and I get it, we've all experienced these moments of... Defeat as well, but I'm curious as JerryRatcliffe.com founder Jerry Hootie Ratcliffe joins us now in the fast lane. Uh, Ethan O'Donnell has the big home run to give UVA the lead against East Carolina, but the inside the park home run later in that game that blew the game wide open. Am I the only one who's sitting there wondering how in the world that ball not only goes off the wall, but the center fielder for East Carolina? To me, it looked like he just sat there as the ball bounced around. And, I mean, you may not prevent a couple of those runs for scoring, but, I mean, what in the world? Am I the only one, Jerry, that was wondering that?
2: Well, no, Ed, not really. Uh, Everyone in the press box thought it was the same thing, Uh, an inside-the-park homer. We thought it bounced off the uh, outfield wall, but – when we talked to uh, Lane Hoover after the game, the center fielder for East Carolina, he said um, it was it went two or three feet over the home run fence and actually hit the, he said he heard it hit the wood on the big wall behind the home run fence and bounced back onto the field. So he knew it was a home run. Uh, I guess the umpires couldn't tell either because uh, to the naked eye you you just couldn't really distinguish Uh, I think in the TV trucks they had to slow it down from what I was told uh, big time to to be able to detect that it actually went over the home run fence and hit the bigger wall behind it so um, it it really wasn't uh, inside the parker like we thought it was it was It was a legitimate home run.
0: Well, David, excuse me, not David. Jerry, thank you for providing that clarity for us today in terms of that particular home run. Because I'm with a lot of folks that thought it was an inside the parker, and I'm wondering what the outfielder is doing. Give him credit. You know, I'll again take some responsibility for not being as well versed in that, or maybe not having good enough eyesight. If you're an eye uh, provider and would like to sponsor the fast lane, we'd welcome that. Clearly, we could use some assistance in that department. Uh, But for the game itself, for Virginia, what does it say about this team? It's Kind of a nip and tuck game and they found a way to blow this thing open and probably most importantly for them avoid getting to a winner take all game today against an east carolina team that was including trace foulball area podcast a trendy pick to make it to the super regionals over virginia
2: yeah you know i think east carolina has got a heck of a team and a great program going down there and uh, they were confident. They they fully expected to come out of this thing with the championship. So they gave Virginia everything they had. I believe they. I think they're they kind of ran out of pitchers, uh, having to play an extra game. But uh, you know, I think it just uh, validates the, what we thought going into the series that Virginia has one of the best, if not the best, offense in the country. They lead this nation in. Uh, team batting average they're 7th in the nation in runs scored and and high in all the other offensive categories Uh, Cliff Godwin, the East Carolina coach who's been around a long time and seen a lot of good baseball said in his opinion that Virginia has the best offense in the country and that being said he he thought that his pitching staff would be able to hold him down he was that confident and the Pirates pitchers, but uh, Brian O'Connor knew, said, I asked him after the game, he said he felt it coming. He knew that something was going to happen because he he'd seen what this offense can do top to bottom. And uh, so they, they lived up to their reputation and um, and, and, and meanwhile, the, you got to give Virginia's pitchers a lot of credit as well because in three games, they held uh, Army and East Carolina twice to a collective um, five runs in three games. So uh, to hold all East Carolina to to four runs in two games is is quite a feat. But uh, three games and five runs that's that's pretty darn good. Nope. I think that's the second lowest in Virginia postseason regional history.
0: No doubt about it. I mean, the pitching part is the part that may have been a surprise, but boy, if they're firing at the right time, that's what matters for Virginia fans. Somebody who was very good at firing at the right time was wide receiver Herman Moore, the Danville native and former Virginia Cavaliers on the ballot for the College Football Hall of Fame. Um, He's worthy of that. Do you worry that he's running up against a loaded class, including someone different time frame, but clearly a shoe in a Mike Vick from Virginia Tech?
2: Well, I, I'm surprised that Herman's not already in the College Hall of Fame because he's more than deserving. I mean, he was an unstoppable receiver uh, throughout his UVA career. and Each year he got just a little bit better, and uh, everybody knows how he and Sean Moore led the nation in almost every passing receiving category those last couple of years. And, uh. uh I mean, Herman was one of those guys that once you got down in the red zone, particularly down close to the goal line, you knew he was going to get the ball because he was an incredible high jumper in college. He could high jump over seven foot, so with his vertical leap, he could go up and out jump any of the defensive backs and pull down those fade patterns that Sean Moore would throw him, and it was a lethal combination, and then we went on to see how great he was in the NFL at the Detroit Lions, where he uh, was second, I think, to only Jerry Rice for several years in what he was able to do. So uh, uh, Herman definitely has the credentials to be in the College Football Hall of Fame. And if he doesn't get there on the first ballot, then I think it's a crime
0: yeah i mean he had a good run i'm worried about the first ballot but he's got to get in at some point given what he did at virginia and people may forget it but (laughs) he made the detroit lions a viable offense and this was before they were a trendy team like they are this year the insight it's always trendy jerryratcliffe.com is where you go Hootie, thank you for joining us today in the fast lane glad to be with you
2: now to
1: the virginia tech Hokies Hokey, hokey, hokey,
0: high. Well, uh, speaking of no duh, uh, no duh. Michael Vick added to the College Football Hall of Fame ballad. Chris Coleman of TechSideline.com. Chris, that seems like it'd be an easy one to believe that Michael Vick is going to get on his first try, huh?
3: Yeah, I mean, uh, if you're anything like me, you look at this list every, every year and there's always a couple guys who are like, wow, he's not already in the College Football Hall of Fame. <laughs> so Michael Vick's kind of like that for me. Same thing for Herman Moore. I heard you just talking to Jerry about Herman Moore. It seemed like both, both of those guys would already be in it, but... uh but, you know, and I haven't looked at the rest of the ballot or anything like that, and I'm not exactly sure exactly what the voting process is. But uh, for me, both those guys, uh, they're college football Hall of Fame types for me.
0: Yeah, I mean, for me, they both are. Having looked at some different national media reporters out there, Vick's name is obvious on everyone's ballot in terms of who they'll vote for. But Herman Moore has been more hit and miss in terms of that. That's, the why, that's why I've been a little more reserved in thinking he'll get in, even though I think at some point he deserves to go in. Huh. Michael Vick. Should have been Heisman Trophy winner if we didn't have stodgy voters back in the day who refused to vote for a freshman because they weren't quite ready. Is that that reasonable to say that that was the reason that's missing from his resume?
3: You know, and that, I, th- I think you know Ron Dane wanted in 1999, I believe, and Ron Dane had, had an, uh, an incredible career. I-, I think at the time, he had broken some career NCAA records, and uh, and I think that was part of the appeal for Ron Dane that year. It's like, how could he not win the Heisman when he's got these career records, right? So I think maybe part of it was the freshman thing for Vic, but part of it was kind of like a career achievement award for uh, for Dane, so uh, I think that was part of it, and, and- For Herman Moore, you know, it's interesting. Like, obviously, they didn't throw the ball as much back in the 80s when he played at UVA. But if Herman Moore was a player now, he'd be catching a ton of passes. So it's tough to compare uh, players across eras uh, just because of how the game has changed. But, you know, if Herman Moore was a player now, he he would be a dominant player. Uh, It's trivia. When when I grew up in Danville, I used to go trick-or-treating at Herman Moore's mom's house.
0: There it is. Is she a generous (laughs) gifter?
3: Yeah, so maybe I'm a little bit biased because she used to give me pretty good candy.
0: <laughs> she was buying votes before it became a common knowledge thing. Chris <laughs> Coleman, techsideline.com in the fast lane. Chris, pivoting away from that, Virginia Tech, a couple of commitments over the weekend. Am I off base in saying just by virtue of the need, offensive line, and the fact that you've got a guy that, I mean, 6'5", 290, is decent size, probably needs a little bit of bulking up. But Clayton Frady, this kid from Gardner-Webb, probably the more impactful of the additions over the weekend for the Hokies?
3: Yeah, you know, a couple thousand career snaps. He started at right tackle and right guard, so he's a guy that provides some versatility. Uh, He's a guy, you know, he's been at Gardner-Webb, and I expect he will put on 10 or 15 pounds once he gets to Tech in that student-athlete performance center where the mills are absolutely fantastic. Um, So he gives you options. You know, he could potentially play guard himself and be a part of that right guard competition, or he could play tackle, which maybe uh, would... Give them the option of maybe trying a Brody Brody Meadows type at right guard if they wanted to. I know he played that position a little bit in the spring game, so it just gives you more experience. Uh, you know, Virginia Tech they've got I've got a couple of very experienced guys in there, but but you know, not a ton. And, uh, I, and I know it's been at the FCS level, but. He has played more college snaps than any lineman on current on Virginia Tech's current team, and he has played in five games against FBS competition. Uh, you know, over the last two years, Gardner Webb has really challenged themselves with the with their scheduling, and uh, he's held up pretty well in those games too. So, I feel like this is a guy who can come in and, and absolutely help Virginia Tech in some way.
0: Chris, you always help us with your insight and analysis on the Virginia Tech Hokies as you do at techsideline.com. Thank you for the time today. We always appreciate it and look forward to uh, to more of these chats. Yeah, appreciate it, Ed. Take care, man.
1: Now to the Liberty Flames.
0: Oh boy, here we go. No, we're not going the long form interview. I know people want to hear that. That's not yet going to happen with Richie Longshots, although there are some people that doubt whether the a sea of red dot com contributor I don't know if this guy's go. real
1: like i i don't i don't know if this is a real person yet
0: are you real richie long shots i'm
1: very much real and i'm very much excited to be here
0: we are excited to have you today uh, okay Ed. richie the longer stuff is gonna wait till later but now that i've gotten that disclaimer out a couple of times some folks out there including haymaker hassan we might call him hater hassan at the rate this guy's going mm-hmm. uh, is lobbying haymakers your way five minutes can you keep it under that today
1: I can I can keep it under five easily.
0: Wow. Okay. Confident there. So Liberty Flames football. You put your article out about kickoff times for the schedule. Um, first of all, your explanation of what your ideal college football Saturday is from Liberty Flames games in terms of when they would actually kick off because they're pretty well represented in terms of the early, the mid afternoon, and the evening kickoffs. Mm-hmm
1: yeah, I'm a big fan of the the noon games. noon and three thirty, uh, perfect times. it's it's when we get into the odd star times, one o'clock, six o'clock. Games should either be 12, 3.30, or 7 o'clock. Everything else in between just throws me for, for a loop.
0: Well, you mentioned throwing you for a loop. The one that got me out of all the times for Liberty is the fact that the Bowling Green game kicks off at noon on that first college football Saturday. And I don't mind the early kickoff, but people forget Liberty plays on field turf. And I've been out there. I was out there for the spring game. It gets kind of hot out there. I'm a little wondering uh, whether that's going to be a factor, maybe a hidden advantage for Liberty or a potential concern with everybody trying to be in condition, given the uh, bit of a fast-tempo run-style offense of Jamie Chadwell.
1: Luckily, both teams have to play on that field. Uh, I don't know what the weather's like in Bowling Green, Ohio, but I'm pretty confident it is not as hot as what it gets like in Lynchburg in the summer. So I think it's advantage Liberty for that one for certain.
0: Meteorologist Richie Longshots with us here. He's a contributor for a CFRed.com and joining us in the fast lane. We will get into your acclaim for that website at another point in time. Uh, But you mentioned the start times for Liberty and how the schedule lines up. You also made a comment a couple of months ago, uh, a couple of weeks ago maybe, about just tempering expectations with the volume of guys in the transfer portal for Liberty. Um, Am I reasonable to say I brush back on that defensively because there's so many guys they lost and they just need depth there, but not offensively because you're going through a scheme change?
1: I, I agree with that. I think the way that Chadwell ran his offense at Coastal, simplistic. Um, It's more about getting the guys in there that understand the system. Um, Bringing in tight ends, I think, is going to be a big part of the game. Hugh Freeze was not really relying on tight ends. It's going to be big time uh, in the Chadwell offense. Having a a herd of running backs ready to go, it's going to be big because we're going to be running the ball a lot, running that option. So I'm excited about the players that they've brought in for certain.
0: Richie Longshots, a com contributor. Richie, we're going to let you go now because you're under five minutes and we want you to cash that ticket.
1: Yes, tell Chad to uh, kick rocks. Under five minutes, cash the ticket.
0: Indeed. Richie Longshot's with us in the fast lane. We'll do longer at some point, but, you know, we're trying to get in his good graces to start off his debut in the fast lane. When we return, a little bit more covering the Commonwealth. Lynchburg Hillcats, they finally found a win. If your betting is gone about as well as the Lynchburg Hillcats hitting the last couple of weeks, eh, might need to rethink your strategies. Also, NASCAR and Lynchburg Baseball on to the College World Series Division Three Championship Round, best two out of three. All of that's still the come across the Virginia Talk Radio Network.